2: Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. This is a recruiting edition. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and I'm joined today by the director of recruiting for SI All-American, my man, John Garcia, Jr. John, thanks so much uh, for being with us and coming on to talk about
1: Notre Dame recruiting. Always a pleasure, Brian. Yeah, the Irish uh, are got things cooking, as, as the mm-hmm. kids say, so it's, it's yeah. always good to check in and get a fresh look at uh, the future of, of this program.
2: So they've been on, uh, they've been kind of hot lately, got a couple solid offensive commits, Steve Angelia, quarterback, quarterback, Morin Walker at wide receiver, and then the defensive staff said, okay, it's our turn now. Uh, and they upped the ante a little bit, getting, in my opinion, one of the best cover players on the West Coast and one of the very best linebackers in the entire nation. Of course, that would be Jaden Mickey, the cornerback from Centennial High School out near L.A., and Josh Burnham. The linebacker slash athlete slash quarterback slash basketball player from Traverse City Central up in Michigan, John. So uh, we're going to talk about those two players. What you think of those two players on film? What they add to the Notre Dame class? And then there's about five other defensive players, mainly DB, because that's where you and I love to chat is about defensive back. Uh, and we're going to talk about. Notre, some of the top skill players on the on the board for Notre Dame on defense so let's first start with you know you're I'm a quarterback guy receiver guy you're a DB guy right we can break it all down but that's our passion that's our heart so I'm gonna so I'm gonna do throw you a bone here we're gonna start talking about DBs John and I first want to talk about about Jaden Mickey and again from Centennial High School out in Corona California out near L.A. Uh, listed to 5'11", 175. We have not seen him play junior his junior season yet because his junior season got canceled and they don't start till next week, his junior season. So we're going off sophomore film with some camp stuff. That's where he is at. So, John, let's dive right into Jaden Mickey. You've broken down the film. What's some of the first things that jump out to you when you study his film of this Notre Dame commit?
1: It's about the production, Brian. I, I think when we, me and you talk, rankings prospects parameters all the time right so we talk about certain positions we like to jump right into production and that's usually reserved for offense right well his completion percentage was above 70 and he threw for four thousand yards or this kid averaged nine yards a carry or this receiver averaged 18 yards a catch you know it shows you his production how about six interceptions as a sophomore playing in that league now Mm -hmm. for those who don't know this is this is he's at centennial this is the modern day league uh, that alone. If you're a football fan should, should indicate something. It shouldn't, you should have a little ping going on in the back of your head. Like, Oh, modern day, Bryce young, those mm-hmm. guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, all these quarterbacks that have come through there, national champs, the only school to beat IMG, blah, blah, blah. It goes down the list. Well, Jaden played great against modern day, but it wasn't even, you know, it was just a blip on his radar. Mm-hmm. Six interceptions in 2019 production from a corner is not something we typically talk about because either they're thrown away from or it's, it's hard to track their actual stats. But six interceptions mm-hmm. tells you a lot. Uh, and then when you watch the film, you see a bunch of that. And looking at the play where he intercepted Bryce Young, who was, you know, before we did the SI 99, but he would have been our number one guy mm-hmm. in that first year. He was the first team quarterback on the SI All-American team now at Alabama, probably the starter going forward, et cetera. He baited him. Mm-hmm. He completely baited him, and he was the, the defense was designed for him to play in trail position and make Bryce Young throw over the top. He maintained that inside leverage, turned at the appropriate time right at the mesh point, and was stride for stride with Young's target. Young saw outside a leverage available and through the vertical Uh, only to have uh, Mickey step in front of it and and really accelerate at the right point. So in one clip, you get kind of the full gamut of this kid. First of all, understands defense and concepts, right? He needed to maintain that inside leverage where he aligned pre-snap, where where Bryce Young's already indicating, okay, if if I want this nine route to the outside – I've got a chance with with my guy one on one versus yours. Um, And then you have to execute. Uh, He was in phase the entire time. Obviously, when the football was in the air, he tracked it and hauled it in against a fellow power five type uh, of wide receiver. So that was really the play that I was like, okay, let me let let me watch more here. Uh, And then you see the rest of that production. Show up. He's really comfortable with leverage, as we mentioned. He's probably more of a zone corner at this stage. But again, as as we'll talk about with a couple of these California or West Coast guys, Brian, we hadn't seen him in a long time. So that 5'11", 175 could very well be six foot and, and much bigger than one seventy five, which could eventually enable him to do more things. I don't think he was asked to do a whole lot as a sophomore, and other teams maybe saw that youth as a weakness and he exploited them. Uh, for for six picks in like eleven games, you know that's just something that's unheard of in any league. So I really like where he is at based off of that sophomore film, and I'm I'm really eager to see what he looks like going forward. But he checks several boxes. He's a willing run supporter. Uh, he can play that offhand jam. He he can contribute at the line of scrimmage, much more comfortable off at this point uh, it seems like. But again, that dated film you know leaves a lot of room for. Filling in the gap. So, uh, Mickey's a, a good player on tape. And I'm, I'm even more curious to see how he is uh, live and, and progress some 12, 15 months later.
2: When you go back and you look at his sophomore season, that game against Modern Day was his first game. First game of the year. So they didn't know who they were going at yet. Unbelievable. And, and then he has another pick the next week against Lawrence Lutheran. And teams kind of stopped throwing at him as much. But it, as you said, still had six interceptions. They also played St. John Bosco that year, who was the only team to actually beat modern day that season. So and that was DJ Uyangalale, right. that quarterback, right?
1: right? Notre Dame that's definitely right. not him. So that's right. Right. Yeah.
2: The thing I liked about him too, John, he was listed at like 155 as a sophomore. He is not afraid to come up and stick. You know, Again, he's not a guy that's going to be laying people out like Sean Taylor, but I loved his competitiveness and willingness to come up a hit. And, and you tell me what you think about this comp, John. When I look at him and you say, you know, people like comps. I'm not a huge fan of it, but people like it, so let's do it. Uh, it helps them kind of process what we're talking about. The comp for me that I see when I think of Jaden Mickey is former Notre Dame All-American Jay, Julian, Julian Love. What I mean by that is he's never going to be a 441 guy. I don't see Jaden Mickey ever being a pure speed guy, but I think he's a flat out excellent cover player because he's a top notch athlete, but he's also incredibly instinctive and to your point, productive. Julian Love ran a mid four five at the pro day, which is why, as a consensus all American, he was taken in the fourth round. You know, when you look at all his production, because he's not a fast guy. I see a lot of that in Jaden Mickey. He's never going to win a track meet, which is why I don't think he's ever going to be like a top 50 to top hundred recruit, but the kid just makes plays. And you can play him in the slot. You can play him outside, really diverse,
1: talented, but productive player. What are your thoughts on that comparison, John? I like it. You know, it's, you know, you, you have your, your freaks, your athletes, and, and you have your football players. Give me the football players. Give me the guys in this category who, yeah, they're not going to test out the wazoo, but if, if the first thing you're pointing at is production and you're seeing value at, at what, you know, frankly, is the hardest thing to do on the football field besides, in my opinion, besides playing quarterback is, is turning and running with a receiver where mm-hmm. you are not the intended target. Um, it sounds it sounds so simple when you look at it that way. But to be able to do that again against this level of competition successfully at such a young age is just so intriguing. So I like that. Like you said, love was kind of underappreciated coming out of the NFL draft because he wasn't this super twitchy, bouncy, 40-inch vertical type guy. Um, and that's okay for the NFL, but you know, for what we're looking for, production matters so much more mm-hmm. at this position. Just guys who can play the football, we, we've talked about this a lot. We just mentioned Uyonglele. He threw for a billion yards against Notre Dame, but guess what? Notre Dame won this game because they made plays at the catch point when it mattered. That's that's football in 2021. It's mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a seven on seven. It's not about the, the quarter who's going to run four, four and eliminate one half the field. That doesn't really exist anymore. You will get challenged um, at basically at, at every turn. So the guys who are productive with that, and as you mentioned, you know, first game against Bryce Young and you're picking the guy off when, when he's clearly targeting you. That tells me as much uh, about Mickey uh, as a as more than a height and weight and 40-time will, will ever tell me about this kid.
2: Notre Dame also got a commitment from a linebacker, Josh Burnham, from Travis City Central High School in, in Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, young man that grew up as a Michigan fan. So for Notre Dame and Notre Dame fans to go into Michigan, get a kid that grew up as a fan of the Wolverines, a guy that Michigan really wanted a – top 100 caliber talent si 99 caliber talent in my view uh we'll be having a conversation about that as we get closer and closer to those releases but this is a 64 215 pound you know incredibly long player that to me is just scratching the surface of of how good I think he can be because he plays so many different things you popped on the film John you you took a look at this kid what
1: do you think of Josh Burnham Notre Dame's latest commitment and this is the most unique kid we'll talk about tonight, in my mind, for what we do. You know, we, we talked about production with with Mickey, and I think, you know, the production versus projection argument is something that will will probably never die. But man, if we're playing the projection game, this is the kid we could spend the whole show. <laughs> you mentioned six four. What is it? Two fifteen. Two twenty. Whatever it is he doesn't have a position. He's a great basketball player, quarterback. He's catching passes. He's playing linebacker. Um, Just a kid who can turn and run and make plays, um, but really doesn't know what he is yet positionally. That polish we talk about at certain positions is not there yet. He's not scraping to the right hole with great efficiency and Mm -hmm. knowledge of blocking schemes, Or anything like that, which means when he's making plays, he's just making plays. This is a a natural athlete. The instincts here are off the charts. And as you mentioned, 6'4", that lengthy frame can now all of a sudden start to make you think of a lot of three-down possibilities. Mm -hmm. Can he rush the passer? can he drop in coverage? Again, he's catching touchdowns on offense when he's not running them in from the quarterback spot. So we know the ball skills and the comfort is there with the football in the air. He has the athleticism to play in space. He has the athleticism to play the football, and that creates a ton of intrigue. But you know, even if at a very sort of micro level, he can see ball, get ball, and come downhill and make a play. So I think at a minimum, you're getting a a very consistent contributor. But at at a maximum, and in, and in, in all stars aligning conversation you're getting a guy who defensive or excuse me offensive coordinators will literally have to identify pre-snap every single play because i think he's one of these monster backs that we're going to start talking about in this industry that are positionless defensive players they're starting to get paid like that in the nfl think of a buddha baker type for the arizona cardinals isaiah simmons at clemson uh, the last few years These monster backs are positionless freaks of nature that you don't know what they're going to do on a given snap. So at Notre Dame, Josh Burnham's going to have that that sort of uh, NBC snap count tracker. He lined up at linebacker 26 times, at pass rusher 25 times. He's at safety. Mm you know he's gonna do everything and and uh, I'm just I'm so all in intrigued with with Josh Burnham and he's one of those guys that I've going to check in on consistently because we just don't know where he's going to end up and, and I think it's it's a huge, huge victory for Notre Dame no matter how you look at it.
2: For me, John, he is the kind of kid that this is exactly why I came up with my two grading system, which is a grade for where a kid is right now. And to me, he's a top hundred caliber, SI ninety nine caliber player. But the upside grade is that it's that it's as good as it's an elite. It's elite. He is a guy that you look at and say he he has a lower floor than another linebacker we're going to talk about tonight because of the fact he's so raw. Mm-hmm. But if he hits his ceiling, and you're talking about a first round NFL draft pick in an era where linebackers don't get drafted much in the first round anymore that's the kind of ceiling now how far he'll go between now and then (laughs) remains to be seen but this is a coach's dream john you you say okay length check athleticism check great frame check uh smart intangibles leader check production check i mean it's all there it's just now now it's okay now i gotta ball them you know, put it is this big ball of clay that I got a mold. And and sometimes, you know, you and I were talking about something off the air, John, and you say, you know, coaches love those guys that they don't have all these bad habits from four years of playing seven on seven, four years of this linebacker coach that, you know, coached him to play the game exactly this way. That's not what we do. He's a big ball of clay that he's everything is going to be kind of new to him because he isn't that refined technician at linebacker, like a Manti Teo. He's more of a Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa where he's moving all over than he is a Manti Teo that you look and say,
1: great player, pure Mike. This isn't that kind of guy. No, I mean, he could – in two years, Brian, he could be the best edge guy on Notre Dame's roster. Yeah. If it he fills out with that frame, absolutely. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at, at, at 6'4", 215. And what we're seeing with – with we don't, we don't use the NFL as our model – but we do take trends from there to evolve our evaluations, right? You should always be learning, growing, all that fun Mm -hmm. stuff. One thing that's really starting to translate with second-level defenders, so you're talking inside backers, off-ball backers, and even some stand-up edge guys, there is some offense-defensive translation here that is really starting to to pick up in terms of projecting these elite athletes. Guys who go in the first round, a lot of them played a lot of offense in high school. That's not something we saw – Earlier, you know, in the aughts, early 2010s, we didn't see a lot of that. We always talked about it at, at wide receiver with defensive back and vice versa. Um, but now that whole running back to linebacker deal is starting to pick up a lot of steam. And Burnham plays all over the field. He's a good mm-hmm. basketball player, too. So I, I think this is a football player with with untapped potential. And, and like you said, this is what you want yes. as a coaching staff. You want the chance to develop that guy just as much as you want the safe high floor prospects, you got to have a blend of the two. And there's, there's clearly, you know, one side where, where Burnham, you know, lies pretty high.
2: Well, and this is a kind of guy that Notre Dame has had a lot of success with lately. You look at Jalen Smith, thousand yard running back coming out of high school as well. Yep. Freaky athlete. Uh, you look at Jeremiah wusu was also a wide receiver, you know, wildcat quarterback in high school. He turned out to be pretty decent. And th- the kid that you guys ranked as Notre Dame's number one signee in the 2021 class, Prince Kali, was a thousand yard receiver as a junior, a 1900 yard running back as a senior and also a tremendous linebacker. So, yeah, to your point, it's what you said earlier, John. Are you looking for measurables? Are you that NFL team that, that cares more about the combine or are you that team that cares more about the film? And this is the kind of kid that you look at and say, you know, we'll figure that other stuff out later. But but this kid has that combination of both. You know he's got that that stuff you love as a coach, as a combine person. He's got that length, all that. But then he's also just a heck of a football player, and I think that's where you're talking about that that new age of second level defender. And if he if he if he keeps adding weight and fills out, then like you said, John, then you just tell him to go stand on the edge, and now all of a sudden he's a viper and he's getting after the quarterback. And you sure. just you can't have enough second level defenders like that. You just you just can't. I mean, you, you, this is the kind of athlete that you need. you're going to be competing for championships in my opinion
1: 100 brian you know we don't rank inside linebacker outside linebacker we've got off-ball linebackers and edge and Mm -hmm. and even there there can be a blend and and if there was it it would probably the conversation would start with with burnham uh i'm a big fan i just think this is the type of win you have to have to compete with the, the guys and the programs that notre dame has to compete with right at this point You know Notre Dame and Oklahoma are on this sort of trajectory where it's like, the only thing left for us to do is win a playoff game, get to the title game, and finish the job.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Job, right? Mm -hmm. So um, if you want to compete with the teams that have done that, you know, Ohio State, Bama Clemson, LSU, you know, Georgia, or not Georgia just yet, but they've won a a playoff game. I mean, they took a championship game at overtime.
2: Uh, I take that.
1: (laughs) So those programs have guys like that. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame needs more of it. It's very clear. Look, defensive recruiting has been awesome. You've been all over that. Um, But to continue that, you need to bring in your Prince College, you need to bring in your Josh Burnhams, who are just football players who you will mold into that and, and they'll be they'll be contributors pretty early, even without that polish. Uh, I think you can get away with that a little bit more to me on defense than, than offense. The economy is made
2: up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. John, let's stay at, at linebacker, and, and we're going to talk about another big target on the board for Notre Dame. And if, if we talked all these things about Josh Burnham and, and his versatility and all those kind of things. And, and let's talk about Junior Tuyalamaka, because to me, he is one of those throwback players. He, to me, is not a guy that has as much versatility. I think he can do two things really well, and one of them is line up in the middle of your defense and dominate the run game. Uh, He is another California prospect. Notre Dame is really starting to turn it back up on the West coast after a few years where they weren't making as much of an effort out there. California has been very good to Notre Dame in recent seasons. This is a prospect that is down to the final five of Notre Dame, Texas, Arizona state, Stanford, and I believe Oregon. Uh, It's his other, other team his top five, uh, I like where Notre Dame is at right now, John. Let's talk a little bit about what you see from junior Tuli Alamaka and what he brings to the Notre Dame defense, and if you
1: see a similarity between a past Notre Dame linebacker that I see when I watch this film. Oh, I think I know which one you're going to allude to there. But with Tuli Alamaka, I, I mean this is a this is the opposite of Burnham. It's like we ju- we just talked about. I know you you gave that away earlier, but Burnham is the I don't know where he's lining up on all three downs, uh, especially on third down. But it's going to be something to note. Uh, Allamaka is going to line up inside. He's going to be, you know, probably over a guard, maybe over a tackle. If we're getting a little exotic here, but you want him coming downhill because he is your old school. Uh, you know, I don't know the kid, but you know, your your perceptive, crazy downhill middle linebacker that is there to lead and set a tone. And man, the 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 downhill ability of this kid when it comes to Skinning through gaps, coming downhill and taking on a guard, coming downhill at, at, at the mesh point, um, you know, slipping through to, to 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 the angle, the proper place to meet the ball carrier. Everything downhill, even even pre-snap and timing when it comes to blitzing and all of that. This kid is off the charts with that. His football instincts to see ball, get ball are are very good. This is your blitzing torpedoed. Um, I don't can't think of any other metaphor. All of those, <laughs> you know, that's that's what Junior is, uh, and there's still a place for that. I, I think, you know, we talk a lot about okay, what's he going to do on third down? Is he a kid that you might have to pull out on third down in favor of a sub defender, whether it's uh, a pass rusher or a defensive back? You know, that's maybe a conversation for another day. But when you're talking floor and what he does so well, when you think of you know a great tone setter. In a Notre Dame defense, I think Junior fits would fit uh, a lot of a lot of those things. I I really it's a fun tape to watch. This is the, the tape that you want to watch out of this group. If you just you know you like contact, you like a little violence, uh, you, you you got a little bit of an edge to you. Uh, put, put on Junior's tape and, and you'll have a little bit of fun watching it. Uh, I, I think the floor here is is really the conversation. Doesn't mean he can't get better. Doesn't mean he can't evolve into that third down type of linebacker but uh i'll take guys like him on first and second down any day
2: and here's the here's another thing that says we've talked about this john this makes the 2022 class more than even more than the 2021 class really hard to evaluate is because he's another player who we're going off sophomore film Correct. which to me is like that he looked like that as a sophomore
1: you right? Know, and he, like probably again like with, with Jaden, what was he asked to do as right. a sophomore playing in in a great state like california because i know down in florida or up in atlanta um, if you got a great athlete that's pretty young you're not going to ask him to do too much you don't want to full you know fill his plate up you want to let him you know see ball get ball if that's what he can do so that's that also comes into the conversation and, and and goes right along with what you said we we got a long way to go in this evaluation even though we have a pretty strong idea of, of where his floor may be
2: now here's one thing i did like about him he is not someone you're going to say hey we're going to lock you up on the tight end all game uh, he's got good length but he doesn't have like that elite length like we're talking about with Josh Burnham but one thing I did like about him is he is a really smart zone middle linebacker a, a guy that understands how to get up underneath routes shows good timing reads quarterbacks well so and, and like you said there's a there's a role for that in in the modern game. I think the other thing that makes him especially a good fit for a place like Notre Dame, is because Notre Dame plays as diverse a schedule as any team in the country. One week you're playing a Pac-12 team like USC who's going to, you know, you know, he's going to be throwing the ball 50-60 times a game. The next week you're playing Wisconsin, and then a week after that you're playing North Carolina who's going to throw it all over the field and has 2,000-yard running backs. And then you play Navy a week after that. You, you you to have a guy like this to me that you could say there's going to be weeks where we can't win without a guy like this. And there may be some other weeks where you know, he's going to be a first and second down monster. But then on third down, you know, we are subbing him out, which Notre Dame has done. Notre Dame did that with Tavon Coney in 2018. I think Tavon, one of the or outlets had him as a second pretty and good, third team All-American. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty- and, and he came <laughs> off the field on third down. You, right. you know, it, it. that's okay. Uh, especially when you look at the athleticism that Notre Dame has been recruiting at linebacker, obviously with Prince Colley, with, with Josh Burnham, with Nolan Ziegler. So to me, you need a guy like this when you're Notre Dame, more than most schools. I think Notre Dame needs a kid like this because because they will play Georgia, you know, a home and home with Georgia. They will play Alabama. They will play these teams, whether it's in the postseason or in the regular season. You have to have the ability to go out and match up with those guys. It's not like you're in the Big 12 or you just are recruiting to beat a bunch of, you know, air raid. You know, spread it around. Throw it teams. You you're going to play a very unique schedule, and a guy like Junior Tui Alamaka is a must get. You have to have at least one of him on your team if you're
1: Notre Dame, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that, John? I completely agree. I mean, look at look at these great teams from the last few years, who have either won or gotten to to that title game. They've all had that that linebacker who wasn't, you know, who wasn't the guy we talked about in passing situations, you know, uh, James Skalski at Clemson comes to mind. Um, you know, Alabama's had bigger downhill linebackers who aren't asked to cover a lot or are or, or vulnerable in coverage. And again, with, with giving him the benefit of the doubt with having not played as an upperclassman yet, you know, maybe that will show up on tape more. Maybe he will be asked to do a little bit more of that, but even if, we we think we have him pegged like you said you you play a diverse schedule that is an excellent point i i think they play as diverse a schedule they're playing teams coast to coast every year no matter what right so mm-hmm. nobody else can really can really say that um and and again like you said in the playoff you're playing teams that at least in theory want to dominate the line of scrimmage you know um so so there is still a place for that this this is a kid that won't be talked about as much if wherever he ends up, uh, but he will show up on Saturdays. And he's a kid you don't recruit for September. You recruit him for December and p- potentially January when you're mm-hmm. playing games in a little bit cooler weather, where where the running game is going to be a little bit bit more emphasized? It's like the NFL playoffs. We all of a sudden see all these running backs making big plays, right? Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette that, that we weren't talking about as much in the regular mm-hmm. season. Well, it gets a little colder out. You know, you got to rely on, on on the old school game a little bit more. So to combat that, you need you need your uh, Tui
2: Yeah. And I mean, you look at you talked about James Skalski on the 2020 and 2019 Clemson team that Trey Lamar on the 2018 team was a guy like that. You know, he was a guy that you're just hey, look, we're no one need. No one needs to run the ball between the tackles. It's up to you. And I even think there's some merit to having a guy like that when you are playing a USC. And what I mean by that is what the air raid does is it basically says we're going to try to get you to vacate the box. And the more we do that, the you know the more resources you have to commit to the perimeter, then that's going to open up some things we want to do between the tackles, especially the good air raids, the one like North Carolina, the ones that are a little bit more balanced. When you have a guy like Junior Two Alamaka playing Mike, you're going to be able to defend the run a lot better with a five man box than you would if you had more of a. a, a an athlete uh, you know playing that position so right
1: exactly exactly
2: exactly and so i i do think there's there's a merit to that and you know the thing i'm curious to see now john if he you know when he plays because he's going to start his junior season here soon as well right i saw a couple clips we didn't see enough of it to where i can definitely bang my you know pound the the desk to say this is what he can do there's a few snaps where he he came off the edge uh and you say well not that you're going to line him up on the edge like Josh Burnham, but my point being, if, you, if you're going to keep him on the field on three downs, so which when you're playing spread teams, you, sometimes you're not going to have the option to, to sub out. Yeah. He's a guy, to your point, about that ability to, to the timing, the ability to get through holes, and that, to me, that short area burst. He's not a sideline to sideline guy, but his ability to plant and explode for five to seven yards is impressive. That's where you can have him as a role as a, as a blitzer on third down. So, okay, we're not going to ask him to cover because he's not going to run with your slot receiver, but he's going to get after the quarterback. And that's something I saw a little bit of as a sophomore that I really liked that I'm most looking forward to seeing from him as we get into that junior-senior film, because that's the other way you can be a three-down player. If you can't Correct. go cover people, then you got to get after the quarterback. And I think there's something to, to that when I watch him
1: play. Yeah. How will you affect the passing game and he's he's a savvy blitzer. There's no doubt about it. I love he can get I saw him get skinny. I saw him beat the guard at the point of attack or the point of contact. I should say uh, he's got he's got those short area um, intellectual abilities to to make the right play, which means if he is rushing the passer, you can you can present that, that, that he can win with speed, or then the counter game and the stunt game to pair with the big guys that Notre Dame will, will always have on the interior, and now all of a sudden you could create a role for third down. Yeah, third down guys, or three down guys, it means how are you going to affect the passing game? Because we obviously assume third down is is that passing down, and it, yeah, it doesn't have to be in coverage even for linebackers. That's a great point.
2: And Notre Dame also is going to be doing, I think, more three three five as we get further away from what you know the Clark Lee defense with Marcus Freeman. And that's another reason that you you would like to have a thumper because it's easier for you to insert a fourth guy that's a you know two thirty to two forty five. He's two thirty as a sophomore. I imagine he's going to be yeah. two forty oh, yeah. plus when it's all said and done. Now all of a sudden you got another bigger body to throw in there. So that's kind of what I see from him. Obviously Notre Dame still got a, still got to close. I know Texas is making a hard push for him. Stanford's making a hard push for him. Uh, but right now, I like where Notre Dame stands, John. Let's talk a little secondary now. We're going to get to your. I just wanted to distract you for a little bit. You know, talk a little linebacker to distract you. Cornerback, I, I, you know Brian Smith, who who does some stuff for for both of us. Really good talent evaluator, in my opinion. Brian likes to talk about the fact that one of the positions, and I agree with him completely. One of the positions that Notre Dame does, in fact, still have a talent deficiency outside of a two year stretch with Julian Love and Troy Pride. Outside of that small stretch, the position where they're still significantly behind the the teams that are competing for and winning championships is corner. And I think that last year's class, we talked a lot about, was a gap-narrowing class. They need another one. Jaden Mickey's a great start. But there's a couple guys on the board that I want to talk to you about because I believe there's there's some guys on the board for Notre Dame that if they can somehow get those guys, and it's not going to be easy, that is another big gap narrowing pickup for Notre Dame. And we're going to talk two of them because I believe they're on the same seven on seven team. I believe they both play the, for the bootleggers. The first one for me is, is my favorite cornerback in his class, partly because of the same reason I love Josh Burnham. And that's Kamari Rogers from Mississippi, plays at Holmes County in Mississippi. And you want to talk about just a kid that God said when he was born, you're going to cover people. You're going to be a corner. That's why I'm putting you on this earth. <laughs> That's to me, Kamari Rogers. The, Notre Dame has not signed a kid like him since Lou Holtz was the head coach, in my opinion, meaning just an elite player that you out and say, you see that dude right there, that All-American receiver? Go cover him. And then you just call it a day, and then you figure out what you're going to do with your other 10. John, when you watch, you've seen him in, on film. You've seen him in person at seven on sevens. What are your thoughts on Kamari Rogers? And am I am, am I way off base here? in my analysis of him
1: no no not at all but I think what's fun about this one Brian is that you see it right you can tangibly see it right the length the athleticism the ball skills are all right there but if you're already feeling like this is one of the best corners in the country then this should be the number one target for Notre Dame because he still has a ways to go he plays a ton of receiver he's really good at it Mm -hmm. by the way um, and he's really great in run support. He's got this reckless abandon for his body, despite not being the, the biggest cat, Buck sixty in the world. <laughs> yeah, he's got a little Devonte Smith in him uh-huh. on defense, um, who also you know played for the Bootleggers back in the day. But man, this is a legitimate corner, and I think um, in this evaluation business, look for us, we've got multiple secondary positions to rank. We rank safeties. We rank corners. We also rank nickels. This is a guy who we would not talk about at any other position than corner. And that might sound like chalk. That might sound like, okay, well, yeah, he's listed at corner. That's what we think he's going to be. That doesn't happen. A lot of the guys who even end up ranked as, as corners, they're in the murky levels of the conversation with other positions, you know, take a Sage Ryan From last year, right? An SI 99 prospect signed with LSU over Bama. You know, this is a freaky safety who's one of the fastest players in America. We talked corner. We talked safety. He ended up as a nickel, even though physically he has the traits to play all three. Kamari Rogers is a corner. Like you said, he is built to cover other human beings. He is lengthy, very good at the line of scrimmage, despite being so raw. Uh, And again, the ball skills, that wide receiver stuff really translates here. And again, that's what it's about. It's not about holding DeAndre Hopkins to two catches for 35 yards. It's just not realistic. Nowadays, it's about limiting him on third down and keeping him out of the end zone. And a Kamari Rogers type will give you a chance to do that against just about any high school prospect right now. And again, that's while his workload is still not 100 percent even defense, much less corner. So I think that is where you get really excited. It's similarly to like we talked about with Burnham, you get excited about the projection here, even though what we're seeing productively or production wise is already very strong so uh you know plays against great competition like you said seven on seven circuit checks those boxes we verified those in person but man once this kid polishes up scary scary potential
2: now john we're gonna do the same thing a corner that we did at linebacker we're gonna talk about two prospects that i love that are polar opposites we talk about you know kamari rogers is you know and josh burnham are in that just God given ability. I cannot wait till the polish gets there because they're tremendous talents. And then there's these guys that you watch and you say, "Well, that guy looks like he's already in college." We talked about that with Junior Two Alamaka, and that's how I feel about Jair Brown, the cornerback. Now he's a he's originally from. He plays at Lakota West in Ohio. Now I didn't learn. Brian told me this the other day. He's actually originally from, I believe Louisiana. So he's not a native Ohioan, and that's why he plays on the bootleggers. So uh, he's an Ohio State commit, but he's still talking to Notre Dame. He, to me, is the epitome of a modern-day boundary corner. Now, if you're still a team that can do that, and Notre Dame is a team that still likes to do that, he is the epitome of a boundary corner, a guy that you just say is big, physical, smart, and can just physically do everything you need a guy to do. This is a really interesting kid, and a complete opposite of Kamara Rogers because he's big, he's stick, and he is advanced for a a high school junior when it comes to how to play the game. I saw a seven on seven game the other day, and he's just talking and it's just constantly communicating. You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to line up here, you got to do this, and it's just like the dude's like a coach
1: out there. You got to love players like that, John. He's he's your guy that you you'll bring in as a boundary corner, but you'll move him around and he'll captain your secondary. One day, uh, from any spot, from from the nickel, from the safety, uh, or even even as as purely that boundary corner. My first three notes here are what you want if you're talking about a secondary prospect in general. And again, I don't want to throw him in the corner box uh, as if that's the only box that he he the only sandbox he can play in. Right. Um, my first three notes here are twitchy, instinctive, and functional strength. Uh, If you're talking about somebody who can play in space with those three things, uh, you're you're in for a a treat, whether it's a receiver, a DB, or trying to break down in between the different positions. Uh, You mentioned the physicality. I I go with functional strength there. It means he can body you at the line of scrimmage or at the end of the rep, at the catch point when it's in the air, have seen him do that in person. But then you talk about the intellect and where that plays into this now now on top of that physical ability you're talking about a guy who's going to turn at the right time when that cushion breaks down he's going to stay in phase and he's going to play through the hands right he's not just a guy trying to out rebound the wide receiver at the catch point no he's going to play through the hands depending on down and distance and where the football's coming in and the velocity and all of those things and i just think this is an elite secondary prospect a guy with an extremely high floor uh, again in the in that idealistic you know production versus projection he's a guy that's going to be high on both scales but even higher on on that production scale i think he is a safe safe defensive back recruit to covet and that just isn't something we say about many defensive backs i do not see a way that A Jair Brown enters a secondary whether it's Ohio State or Notre Dame or somebody else's and doesn't begin to have an impact in year one year two and that's just not something we say about Blue Bloods recruiting that position because it usually means they got a lot of other dudes who who maybe fit that same bill but even still uh, with a year to to go in high school we just don't see many kids come across the the desk like a Jair Brown and I think he's he's one of the more exciting kids to talk about and from a safe and high floor perspective just as much as a ceiling perspective and i think when it comes to his ceiling it's about the position more mm-hmm. than the the traits it's about where will he line up at the end of the day
2: and you talk about that high floor that he's about as that safe and that's and we mean that as a compliment. That's not Absolutely. that's not an insult. That's a compliment.
1: Absolutely. It's,
2: you need guys like that, because if you take a bunch of projects, there's a chance that they all don't pan out. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just the, the reality. Guys like J.R. Brown, who can step on, like you said, step on the field as a freshman and say, you can go in with that kid. There's there's no question. And he's going to have the mentality of he's not going to be your typical freshman in that He's gonna be concerned about this, or I got beat. It's, he, he's not gonna care. I mean, he's just he's gonna battle and, and there's a need for that. Now, let, let's talk recruiting with those two guys just real quick. Notre Dame is in the mix for both. I would, I would argue based on my sources, they're they're in that top four or five group for both. Is getting either of them going to be a challenge? Absolutely. Um, I I think it's gonna be hard for Notre Dame to get either one of these guys. They need to get one though. And this is that thing is. If you want to close, if you want to make the change, if you want to take that next step, these are the kind of recruits you got to get. And I've said this, John Notre Dame is not seven, eight guys a year away from playing with those teams. They're one or two. They're that one dynamic receiver, that one dynamic cornerback away from you get that guy, and now all of a sudden you're not getting embarrassed by Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle because you have a guy that can go play with them. Uh, and to me, both of those corners can be that guy, especially Kamara Rogers, just because of his unique cover ability. But both of those guys can can be needle movers, which is why Ohio State went after him so early and got him, because you know, I mean, that's a team that knows how to recruit and develop cornerbacks. So end of the day, yeah, is it gonna be hard? Sure. But these are the kind of players you have to put your full court press on and you recruit no matter who they commit to, until they sign on that dotted line and it's officially over. These are the kind of kids that you absolutely must, if you're Notre Dame, give everything you got to get because they're the ones that are going to truly take you to that next step, not just defensively but as a team and not just what they do on the field. But once you kick that door down for a guy like one of these two, all of a sudden that door is a little bit easier for that next player to to go through. You get a kid from Mississippi, Kamari Rogers, to come to Notre Dame and he plays well and he goes to the NFL – and he does well in school. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know what? You can be that guy. And and that's the kind of thing is they need that kind of player, not just practically on the field, but also to kind of open that door for that next player to say, hey, it's okay to go up north. It's okay to go to a school that makes you go to class. It's okay to to leave the south. And if they can get a guy like that, it could have such a big impact for them uh moving forward because it's different than a lot of the guys they get. You know, Kyle Hamilton went to a One of the best private schools in Atlanta. You know, his dad is a professional athlete. Like it, it's nothing wrong with that. It's just Notre Dame's always going to have success with those kind of guys. Correct. Getting one of these public school cover corners that they're just they're not able to get is just could be a game changer for Notre Dame on the field. And then just sort of what it could do for them in future years when it
1: comes to recruiting. There's no doubt about it, especially with Brown, right? Because then you would be pulling from the school that has kind of built that. Hey, we can go recruit anywhere. And we're not in the South footprint, which is which is mm-hmm. of course Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, that's the school that's built the model that Notre Dame is following to to some degree. Um, so so pulling from that would I think be would uh, perceptionally as big a win as it would be tangibly uh, on the football field. Um, and the more I'm talking about or Brown, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this is a guy that we're gonna begin in our nickel conversation mm-hmm. at some point before uh before this cycle wraps up. But uh Going to be totally fun to break down guys like that, and the when the recruitment's interesting on top of it, it just gives us that more reason, much more reason to pop, take back on, and kind of check in with with these prospects. Uh, so it'll be a good off season for him, and, and I wonder when he will truly shut it down. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's wrap
2: up with some safeties, John. This is a big position for Notre Dame. Uh, safety recruiting has been. Wildly erratic. One year you get Derek Hamilton and Houston Griffith. The next year you follow up with Kyle Hamilton. And then in 2020, you get nobody. And then in 2021, you get a couple guys late that we like Kerry G and, and Justin Walters. But this is a position that Notre Dame has to 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 strike strike it big this year from a numbers standpoint, but also from a talent standpoint. There's a couple guys that are sort of, you know, not top of the board, big names that I really like. From an upside standpoint, lower floors, higher upsides, and I wanted to run them by you, John, just kind of get your analysis of them so people can hear, you know, somebody other than my opinion on them. And that is Jaden Mangum from Michigan, who's a 6'3", almost 6'4", 180, long-rangey kid that Notre Dame is, I'd say, probably in the top four or five for. It's going to be tough to get him out of state, but, you know, Notre Dame's doing a lot more of that lately. And then the other's Devin Moore from down, down your way, who is from Naples, Florida. These are two under-the-radar guys that don't have the the knock-your-socks-off offer list that I see and I say, some team is going to get these guys. You're not going to hear about them for a year or two. And then all of a sudden, these are guys that are going to be starting for somebody in, in the secondary and going to be really productive players. When you look at the film of these two guys, John, what do you see from Jaden Mangum and
1: Devin Moore? Well, what I love about each of them is that they play the football well, you know, both, you know, we talk about the first three notes that we have in an evaluation when we're just sort of digging into a prospect for the first time. If if there's some kind of ball skills or ball tracking or instincts with the ball in the air note there, and they share common ground. I think that tells you a lot. Again, we, we keep bringing this up. That's how you win on, on third down. That's how you win in the red zone. So I do think both of them are, are really comfortable with the football in the air. I think, uh mangum is probably a little bit more positionless uh, than devin moore who i think is a clear sort of old school free safety type who you really want to play over the top and be able to sort of react and come downhill react with space we used to say um and i think but i think with mangum i don't know where he's going to line up he could be a nickel type who you drop on occasion but he's also you mentioned the frame right he also has this frame that makes you kind of want to say well let me see him at the line of scrimmage because his change of direction is actually pound for pound, probably more impressive than Devin Moore's. um, But, and then starts to make you think about other things that he could do, whether it's walling off tight ends, playing in the slot a little bit, or even pressuring from space. Um, So I I think when you talk about how fun it could be for Marcus Freeman, if you get a guy like that, I think there's the ceiling. There's really, really interesting uh, because he's just a, a playmaker both before and after the football arrives, uh, good physicality too for that foundation. I think more is a little bit more finesse. Um, but he's he's got some corner reps on tape where you know he's really technical at the line of scrimmage, playing in that wide stance with an offhand jam. Uh so he's he's you know, he's from, like you said, Southwest Florida comfortable competing at the line of scrimmage pre-snap. That's just not something you see a lot in Florida because kids can run down here, right? So uh, there's a confidence there and, and a boundary um, you know, experience that he already has that makes him intriguing uh, if you do want to bring him down in the box eventually. But I just think the instincts, the range, the ball skills there translate a lot more to a deep safety type, a guy you want over the top, maybe getting guys uh, aligned uh, in the process.
2: Now, first about Mangum, John. You you mentioned some comments. You know, you you went towards the whole getting him closer to the line of scrimmage thing. Let's let's remember, let's refresh people's memory. Notre Dame just hired a defensive coordinator who wants to run a four two five or a three three five or a hybrid of those two, where the five is actually five DBs. Yeah. And when you're doing that, that's the kind of guy you want. You you want that he's a safety, but he's got some frame, some projectability, so you can put him in the slot and be almost a second level defender. And and that is kind of what Marcus Freeman wants, and I do agree with you. He I would start him on the back end, but I'm not going to be unwilling or unafraid or afraid to say, hey, you know what? This kid's put on a you know 10 15 pounds of muscle, and he's he's striking people. Let's give him a shot to play in the slot because if you can have a guy that can run and cover ground like that, a six three six four kid in the slot, it, it makes playing defense so much more effective. For the same reasons, we look for those same traits in linebackers. Correct. And then Devin Moore is another one. So let you talk about he's an old school free safety. I'm going to make a prediction here, John. The old school free safety is going to become the new school free safety again here very soon.
1: I agree. The, I the agree. reason
2: I say that is because what is the one thing you have to do if you're with, with the invent of RPOs, right? RPOs kill. Cover four was brought to, to attack a lot of the spread stuff. Right. So the read zone, the bubbles, you you bring cover four because you can then get nine in the box just as easily as you can play four deep. Right. And so it was meant to do that. Well, then RPOs came because if you're going to do cover four, then we're going to RPO you to death because we're going to throw the outs. We're going to throw the bubbles. We're going to throw the posts behind you because you're going to come down because you see, you know, if you're a cover four safety and you see linemen just engaging, it's a clear run play. You're coming down and I'm pulling and I'm throwing a post over your head. That's what RPOs do. Well, that to counter that, you're seeing more and more teams look to play cover one or cover three, but more so cover one because cover three has its own cover three is more of a we're gonna you know let them complete those and hope that eventually they make a mistake or we can make a stop. But the good teams are doing more <laughs> right, right. The good teams are doing more cover one, and that means really good cover players on the outside, which we talked about, but then having that rangy middle of the field can play. You know, from from the middle of field out to the numbers, you're gonna that's gonna become way more important. I think we're already starting to see it, and over the next four or five years, I think it's gonna become an incredibly important aspect to to being a, a elite defense against these teams that are just spreading the field and running RPOs and just attacking. You're gonna have to play more man, and if you're gonna play more man, then you have to have rangy guys who can protect that over the top, and that's what I see from from a guy like Devin
1: Moore. I like that. And let's remember that the term safety, the position was created to be that last line of defense <laughs> deeper than the deepest keep everything in front of you, all the things that guys like me heard in little league and not so much as we got older. Um, but yeah, those kind of basic principles are, are going to come back for prospects like that. But it's, it's the guys who are going to succeed are going to be those guys who can, scream off the hash uh, without a moment's notice and, and get over the top and there's just there's not a lot of those out there and there's not there's definitely not a lot of those with that specific experience so those developmental elements will be really interesting for secondary coaches and defensive coordinators to sort of build back towards because we've been conditioned to seven on seven to where it's either a ton of zone or as you mentioned when you are playing man you're trying to get you know affected at the reroute uh, line of scrimmage you're trying to do a lot of different things as opposed to relying on that guy who you know is playing inside I mean you don't see a lot of I'm going to play outside leverage because I know I got help inside and if you do it's usually from a nickel and some kind of combo coverage something like that not necessarily from a safety so I I love where your head's at with that I do think that the potential for uh, an effective role at that classic center field position uh, is 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 going to come back because you have to, because it's cyclical, right? And that's what all mm-hmm. off what, what schools are going to be looking for if they can play it. And, and I think, like you said, Devin Moore can absolutely do that. We already see the range there. Uh, and, and again, productive with the football in the air, which is really going to become a baseline requirement for any uh, secondary projection.
2: John, thank you so much for joining us. You know, I love having you on a talk ball. We'll have you back on again. Hopefully Notre Dame keeps rolling and starts getting more and more commitments and we'll, we'll bring you back into talk ball, but thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you have not, if you're not aware of what they got going on there, make sure you follow John on Twitter. You can see it right there on the, if you're in the YouTube channel, it's at John Garcia underscore junior. They uh, SI all American. Check it out. You know, we are, John and I are working on some things right now together. I uh, love the collab, collaborative effort we have with uh, with SIL American and the team sites and the team publisher. So we absolutely love what, what's going on there. Um, John, thanks for joining us. We will talk with you again soon. Make sure you check out SIL American. Make sure you check out irishbreakdown.com and we will talk to you all again very soon. <laughs>